When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, The Undertaker, Kane. We all remember these famous faces from the Attitude Era, mostly because as wrestling fans, we shall never stop talking about this period. We demand it returns, and we demand it right now. This does mean that a fair few characters were utterly lost in the shuffle, either because they only showed up for a cup of coffee... Or because they just weren't very good. So I'm Simon from What Culture. Please do subscribe. And this is 20 WWE Attitude Era Superstars You Forgot Existed. Number 20, Tom Brandy. In true Attitude Era fashion, as soon as the time was right, Tom Brandy shifted across and started using his real name after he had been portrayed as Salvatore Sincere in the Everyone Must Have a Gimmick in the WWF mid-90s. Given what was going on back then, Mark Mera was also allowed to point at Brandy and tell him he was a jobber, and that's a quote, and if you want to see his highlight, head to the 1998 Royal Rumble. There he was beaten up by both Terry Funk and Mick Foley before being thrown over the top rope, and he was out the door by April. Could we have done more with Tom? Absolutely, but he was too badly affected when somebody prior to all of this called him... Salvatore. Number 19, Southern Justice. There's so many stories like this is going to become a theme throughout, but again, as reality became the focus of the World Wrestling Federation, ideas like two pig farmers competing in the squared circle had to go. So in 1998, once more, Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin, which yes, stood for hog and pig, repackaged themselves as Jeff Jarrett's goons named Southern Justice. They also had a manager in the form of Tennessee Lee, and hey, this wasn't a bad transformation at all wasn't all too dissimilar to what the APA was going to be doing, and when they were allowed, they kicked the crap out of people for money. Sadly, the fact they were affiliated with Slop didn't help, and even today, no one remembers these guys. You remember them herding cattle, whatever else they were meant to do in their spare time. Number 18, Scott Putzky. Son of WWE great Ivan Putzky, Scott likely thought he was destined for good things under Vince McMahon. I mean, he had the heritage and looked like Jason Momoa and Brendan Fraser rolled into one. On paper, it wasn't too bad. Putzky was part the light heavyweight scene in late 1997 we all know how that goes and given that scott couldn't even get in the tournament to crown a champ didn't look good he was able to feud with brian christopher for a little bit and his dad even came in for a short run so we could do the whole family versus family thing alongside jerry lawler after a match at in your house ground zero he was done though and he had one final run in wcw before it closed 
After that, I don't know. Number 17, Kevin Quinn. Somebody in the comments will pretend that they recall Kevin Quinn, but I don't believe them. There is just no way. Mostly used as a fill-in for Scotty Too Hotty when he got injured and Brian Christopher needed a partner, they wrestled a few matches on Shotgun Saturday night before that idea was scrapped. Quinn then did a few things on Sunday Night Heat, but his grand total of bouts was seven, and two of those were off-camera. Kevin never made it to Raw either, and even though he will have some stories today, because he often fought the likes of Edge of the Hardys, it never got above this level. But was he part of the Astrid era in the sense he was on the books? You bet your ass. Number 16, Aguila. If you love Sunday Night Heat, you will remember S.A. Rios and, of course, Lita. But before that, did you know Mr. Rios was also Papi Chulo and, naturally, Aguila? The amount of names we had for this guy. Unlike our friend Scott Pudsky, Aguila was in the aforementioned light heavyweight tournament in 1997, and he was a challenger at WrestleMania 14 for the title winner, Takamishu Noko. That was the last thing he did before transforming into S.A. Rios, and really, that gave him some real legs. He even had a short run with Kurt Angle. While he didn't go much further than this, however, do go and watch that Taka match. Even today is really good. They were ahead of their time. Number 15, Pantera. Sadly, this was nothing to do with the band, Pantera. I mean, WCW heard the kiss demon, so you just never know. In short, it was just another guy that WWF brought in as they tried to make their light heavyweight division mean something. As was always the way in 1998, he eventually had a match with Takamishinoku, this time at In Your House, No Way Out, Texas. And if you're a stats fiend, this was one of the 17 bouts he worked under Vince McMahon. Pantera was able to get on Raw, which is not true for some on this list. And amazingly, despite being 57 years old right now, he is still wrestling. Number 14, Golga. Golga loved South Park. If that doesn't date his appearance, I don't know what does. The time with the sheer explosion of Matt and Trey Stone's cartoon, though, the WWF had Golga wear Cartman merchandise whenever they could, but it's the piece of trivia behind this which blows everybody's mind, and that is beneath the mask, it was Earthquake, he of the natural disasters fame. I have no idea why we felt the need to hide this because John Tenter was a recognizable dude, especially in the WWF, and all he really did during this venture was wave to the crowd and sing along with his fellow oddities. It was kind of silly. It may have tied into the fact Tenter had lost a load of weight so wasn't as intimidating, but come on, this is all you could come up with? A dude that likes smelling people's trainers? And I didn't make that up, by the way. That's what he was told to do. Number 13, Dick Togo. Everybody loved Kai Tai, sort of. I mean, they did try and chop Val Venus's penis off, but thankfully, they didn't. While stories like that stole the headlines, everybody forgot that Dick Togo was in this group. If you listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard too, you'll know there's every chance his name was a rib because, of course, you could read it as Dick to go if you wanted, but hey, you should only do that if you're 10 years old. It's a shame we discussed that for as long as we did too because Dick was alright during the late 90s. He had a handicap match at Over the Edge in 1998 as Kai and Tai took on Nu and Bradshaw, and I tell ya, it is more than watchable. Number 12, Men's Tayo. Following on from that, let's get some love for the rest of Kai and Tai 2. The second version featured Yamaguchi-san, Dick Togo, Takamishinoku, Shofunaki, and Men's Tayo, and no one ever talks about Men's Tayo. Another fine worker that got lost, Men's was likely the less flashy of the bunch, but that doesn't mean he was bad, not at all. Plus, he knew how to be ridiculous, which is always good in wrestling, be that with his fellow countrymen, or when he was Terry Boy in ECW... When he was down there, he was spoofing the BWO. He never really did that much in the ring, which was the problem. Men's wrestled about 16 matches throughout 1998 before deciding to go back to Japan. 
probably hoping someone would let him do his job. Number 11, Pierre. Ah, the Quebecers. They were a big deal in the early 90s, and one half of the team PCO is a mainstay of Ring of Honor these days, but his career has been pretty varied, especially when the Attitude Era was taking off. Carl Ouellette was dubbed Pierre in 1998, and while he mostly floated along, he was one of the guys chosen to be in the Brawl for All tournament. I doubt he wanted to do it, but he got him on TV, and then sadly he was knocked out in round one, courtesy of Dr. Death Steve Williams. He had a few more go-arounds after this, including being re named Chris Cannonball, which sounds like we had jumped backwards a few years, and you never need to watch any of it. There's just nothing to it. Number 10, Barry Windham. Of course you remember Barry Windham. I mean, how can you not? He was so good, Ric Flair thinks he's one of the best ever, and that means something. You don't put garbage in the four horsemen. This is why when you learn that Windham was brought into the WWF in 1996 and dubbed the Stalker, you get confused. He was then thrown into the new Blackjacks alongside Bradshaw. We know how that goes. And it would be two years before he was allowed to be just flipping Barry Windham. I will say that he got a countout victory over Owen Hart on Raw one week, but as ever, Vince McMahon couldn't help but put him and Bradshaw into a breakup feud, and as soon as that was done, he was booted out the door back to WCW. Honestly, what another waste. Number 9, Sniper. Never ever look up the Truth Commission. If you were basically a fetus like me when watching the Attitude Era, you likely didn't know what this was meant to represent, and when you find out, Sheesh. When it does come to the group, though, we all do recognize Don Callis, we all know Kurgan, we all know Ball Buchanan, but no one talks about Sniper, who, for the record, never sniped anyone. Played by Luke Poirier, his pre-WWF gimmick was ripping off Sylvester Stallone's Rambo, which was actually a good idea, but as Vince McMahon was never going to go with that, they just went with something Rambo kind of did. Sometimes... I mean, he's more of a knife guy. He was in a difficult role, too, because it was clear this posse was a vehicle to try and get Kerrigan over because he was massive. And when it didn't work, there was nowhere else to go. Number eight, Just Joe. Quick piece of trivia about Just Joe. He was one of my trainers early on in my wrestling career, so I thank him for that. He was very helpful. He was also just Joe in the WWF where he would play a mega snitch. For some reason, Joe would approach other wrestlers backstage and inform them about other wrestlers who had been talking crap behind their back, which was obviously an easy way for the company to start feuds. Just send Joe. Played by Joe E. Legend, as ever, this didn't go that long, and he was around for about a year before being released just shy of WrestleMania 17. After this, though, seriously, go and check out what he did. It was a lot, and he did some acting to boot. He made the most of his freedom. Number seven, Barbara Bush. She soon becomes BB because why not? And her whole role was to lose her clothes and show off her bra. Bush would also compete in bikini contests and gravy bowl matches. And even though I had to see one of these recently, I still don't get it. Why are the flub? Is a bowl of gravy even there? Bubba Ray Dudley threw her through a table in February 2000 when he was doing that with the entire women's locker room. As it turned out, she was done after that. Headed to WCW where she became Papaya and hung out with a guy called Kiwi. Number six, Beaver Cleavage. I hate this. It is all that is wrong with wrestling in one character and the most Vince Russo idea ever. However, when the headbangers were done in 1999 and we needed something for each guy, Mosh was spun off into Beaver Cleavage, an adult male who enjoyed nothing more than, well, drinking his mother's breast milk. When everyone realized how bad this was, he was renamed Chaz. His mother was outed as his girlfriend, but even then, it was heavily implied he was beating her up, which was just so poorly handled. And thankfully, as soon as Thrasher was back from his injury, the team just started where they left off. But Beaver Cleavage Man, this is why I get upset when people want the Attitude Era back. Number five, Mr. Hughes. You know who didn't like Mr. Hughes? 
Chris Jericho. Put together at the start of Y2J's WWF run, probably because somebody thought Jericho was too small, it just didn't work. For one, Hughes had dropped a load of weight since we last saw him, so it didn't look as intimidating as he once did, and you could just tell that neither guy was into it. It only lasted a few months before Creative killed this angle, and by that time, even Howard Finkel was involved. That was strange. In one of his books, Jericho also claimed that Hughes fell asleep at ringside during one of his matches which really is quite impressive. How the hell did he do that? Number four, Meat. After he left the WWF as Meat in 1999, he arrived in WCW a year later. In 2000, World Championship Wrestling headed over to the UK for some live events, and as soon as myself and a good friend saw the now Sean Stasiak, we began to chant Meat. At that moment, he looked over towards us, and his face became a picture of sadness. I don't think I've ever forgiven myself. The question then is what the hell was meat? Well, he was teamed up with PMS or Terry Runnels, Ryan Shamrock and Jacqueline. And because he was meant to be a glorified sex toy, well, that's all I need to say. I think Vince McMahon must have hated Sean too, because when he returned in 2001, he was now Planet Stasiak, some weirdo that ran into the wall. I mean, what was even the point? Number three, key. Don't understand drug lingo? That's okay, because the WW have had you covered when they introduced key, which, yes, stands for kilo. You also look like cocaine on legs? Awesome. How this actually happened during the Attitude Era, I don't know, but he was put with Droz and Prince Albert as they took on the Godfather, so it really was drugs versus sex workers. Under the powder too this was vic grimes and although he had one tv match on shotgun saturday night when the pimp got injured and no one knew what to do with key the whole thing was dropped man it was bad number two babu a pretty offensive entry on this list babu also known as abu also known as pablo marquez was a light heavyweight guy who was also the backup for tiger ali singh portrayed as a manservant babu barely did much of anything aside from represent terribly xenophobic views that should have been left in the past Hell, they never should have shown their face at all. You may remember him wrestling the likes of Al Snow and Goldust where he got ruined, and he also teamed up with Singh to take on Kurgan and Luna Vachon on Heat in 1999. And if anybody goes and watches any of these now, what the hell are you doing? Number one, Bracus. Ah, oh boy. Although Vince McMahon likely did a backflip when he saw German bodybuilder Bracus in 1996, the man himself was not too good at wrestling. It's also why, despite limited experience, he was thrown into the world too soon because he had biceps and even a trip to ECW for some help didn't work. He would send some threats to Vader and Triple H early on in the year, although we didn't see his first TV bout until 1998, which sums it up. If you care, that was against Goldust on Shotgun. Injuries hampered him a lot during this time, and as soon as everybody realized it wasn't going to click, he was gone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.